You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. President Trump is an established business mogul, something that many of his supporters value. At the same time, though, this is someone who stoked a lot of racial and social tensions to his political advantage. This is something that drives a wedge between many modern business leaders and Trump's Based supporters. That's because in 2017, even conservative business leaders have embraced the idea that inclusiveness and diversity are important to their business models. They say it's not just morally right, it's good for the bottom line. When society's isms result in higher incarceration and job insecurity, certain individuals are unable to contribute their skills to American life and the economy. This is why the business community led efforts in Michigan recently to add the LGBT community to the state's civil rights law, the protection that that law provides. What do these efforts mean for the U.S. economy, and can we rely on these disparities to make a case for equity in America today? When does prejudice give way to business interests. We want to spend the rest of the show today talking about this. And of course, we want to hear from you about maybe the business environment where you work. Maybe you're a business owner. Uh, How do you see these issues? Is inclusiveness and diversity part of your business model? Is it one of the things that you think of from a profit perspective, in addition to a moral perspective, uh, talk about the the role that inclusion can play in business models. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. And joining me now to talk about this is uh, Jim Murray. He's the president of AT&T Michigan, newly elected chair of Equality Michigan. Jim, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, Ani Turner is here. She is the co-director of Alterum Institute's Center for Sustainable Health Spending and the lead author of The Business Case for Racial Equity. Ani, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Ani, let's let's start with you. Uh, Talk about this business case for racial equity. Uh, If you talk to, um, to CEOs these days, I think a lot of them are starting to buy into this. I can remember a couple of years ago, the Kellogg Foundation, in fact, mm-hmm. spent a lot of time trying to make that case uh, to CEOs, trying to, to sort of turn the conversation about inequality to uh, the sphere of business practice and profit. Uh, how are we doing with that? Yeah, absolutely. And we've been working with uh, the Kellogg Foundation for the past four years, again, making this business case for, for racial equity, both nationally here in Michigan and we're working on other locations. And you know, in terms of um, the impact on the business community, uh, we think in, in terms of three um, main factors. One is the workforce, very importantly, um, as particularly looking at demographic trends, um, you know, in, in another 20 years or so, our working age population is going to be 50% people of color. Um, and we, we want our workforce to have the skills and the education and the health, you know, that we need to, to be productive and to be able to grow businesses. Second is the purchasing power of, of uh, our customer base. And again, um, the more we can kind of tap into that, that 
um, untapped potential for earnings and health and prosperity, um, the stronger our customer base would be as businesses. And then finally, just the overall economic growth in the nation and um, our fiscal outlook for both state and federal governments, which you know improves the business climate as well. Yeah, uh, Jim, Equality Michigan, of course, has has really pushed to try uh, to change the business climate here in Michigan with regard to, to LGBT protection. Uh, talk about how the reception, though, to that kind of argument has maybe changed over the last couple of years. I, I feel like there's a friendlier reception or environment for that argument than there used to be. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of cracks in the, um, the wall that used to be built around um, getting this done. Um, I used to work in the legislature, and I can tell you, um, wasn't that long ago. It feels like a long time ago, <laughs> but it's like 2004, 2003, and um, that was when both Republicans and Democrats wanted a, a marriage amendment to the Constitution. Right. The Democrats wanted it just as bad as the Republicans did. And just in that 12-year period, 13-year period, um, society's yeah. thought on that is completely flipped. Right. And the, and the Democrats are solidly in the um, Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, camp uh, and, that's worth stopping to sort of note certain. that we, we were a, a decade and a half ago talking about whether there might be a constitutional amendment uh, that would prohibit uh, gay marriage. Uh, now we're at a point where uh, the Supreme Court has said you can't even basically pass a law so anywhere. The now politicians that, that and the that. policymakers are coming around. The the business community though has has come around a long time ago. I mean, I think, uh, in my opinion, um, the businesses, the business groups in this in this country have have led the change. They're far ahead of where uh, the law and uh, the legal arguments are on this like um, AT&T had a sexual orientation policy in 1975 wow we offered domestic partner benefits in 1998 you know that and you know <laughs> even though it's morally right they didn't do that because it loses money right I mean there's a reason and the reason that we need to go out and and pass Elliot Larson is that you shouldn't have to go work for a fortune 500 company to be have your civil rights protected. Right, right. Uh, w w when we talk about these things, Ani, uh, I think one of the things that, that, that people really want to focus on is this moral case. I mean, it, it, the idea is not that the business case sort of overweens that or right. overwhelms it. Uh, how, how are we doing with that case have being more uh, receptive or people being more receptive to that case uh, these days? Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's been movement on the case in terms of the, the social justice argument or the moral, the moral I argument. Mean, part of the reason I ask is, mm -hmm. is you know, the political environment, as mm -hmm. I said in the open, has changed right. pretty significantly over the last year, year and a half. This this presidential contest, I think, stoked a lot of the mm -hmm. sort of old time mm -hmm. resentments. It's not that they ever went away. Uh, but certainly gave them license to to be more out front, more right. aggressive uh, than they used to be. Is that is that having an effect on this on this conversation? Well, I think that's one of the reasons why we want to make this economic argument in this business case. And I think there are it, we are at a time in our history where it's kind of easier to make these arguments. Uh, there are fewer trade offs and tough decisions, I think, to be made to do the right thing because of what's happening with our demographic trends and uh, our, our economic trends and employer demand for more skilled workers. 
Uh, we're seeing here in Michigan the, the size of our workforce is actually shrinking. And, you know, as the United States is aging, more and more people are retiring and those experienced workers are leaving. So we we simply need to have the, the workforce with the skills and the health uh, that we need to, to be productive. So it becomes just a very pragmatic argument um, that really benefits not only those people directly um, who we can help, you know, unlock their potential, but really... Um, everyone, our communities, our states, um, our nation. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. This is, uh, I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guests are Jim Murray, uh, the president of AT&T Michigan, newly elected chair of Equality Michigan, and Ani Turner, co-director for the Alterum Institute's Center for Sustainable Health Spending and the lead author of the business case for racial equity. We are talking about when that case for racial or cultural or religious fairness uh, becomes a profit case, a business case, a business model case, uh, in addition to the moral arguments that people make for diversity and inclusion. What's that point in your business? What's that point in the business where you work? How do issues like inclusiveness and diversity play out in the workplace where you are? Do you feel like they have the right priority from the owners or management, or should they be more uh, more of a priority from those people? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, uh, put your comments there, or Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Bob in Auburn Hills. Bob, welcome to Detroit Hi, Today. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up real, case, real quick the case of uh, Brendan Ike. He's the former CEO and founder of uh, the Mozilla Foundation uh-huh. and one of the main developers of Firefox. Um, so Brendan, at some point, uh, before he was named CEO of Mozilla, uh, gave about $50, if my memory serves, to a political action committee that, among other things, supported um, the California proposition to define marriages exclusively between a man and a woman. Um, so it wasn't just limited to that, and it was a you know, fairly small contribution. Um, whenever this was made public, he almost immediately was asked to resign as the CEO of Mozilla, and he's fortunately come back and you know, has another successful web browser he's made in the time in between. But I think that's probably one of the strongest business cases for diversity and for um, inclusion is that there really is a huge social pressure to have your business be inclusive because if you're on the receiving end of some of these hate mobs, it's happened a lot of times to a lot of different people where if you make a even moderately, you know, controversial statement and people find out where you work, you can pretty much kiss your job goodbye. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, Bob, thanks very much for that uh, for that call and that comment. Ani, I see you nodding your head <laughs> as Bob is talking. No, well, uh, regarding diversity in the workforce, I think um, there's plenty of research uh, to show that um, businesses are actually more profitable and have greater employee loyalty and creativity and innovation with a more diverse workforce. But, uh, you know, as, as the caller suggested, um, there's there's also um, the kind of the public face and public reputation um, at stake. Yeah, yeah. And that goes for 
governments as, as well as individuals. I mean, you've seen what's happened down in North Carolina. Yes. They have not the consequences had, are unbelievable. They have not had a fun time uh, dealing with the economic consequences of of passing their bill. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That that isolation that uh, that threatens when you sort of embrace discrimination is one of the one of the incentives too. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the business case for racial equity. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. We will get to you after the break. Chuck and Franklin, Jeremy and East Point, you're up next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on WDET 1019. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Jim Murray. He's the president of AT&T Michigan, newly elected chair of Equality Michigan. Also with us is Ani Turner. She's the co-director of the Altarum Institute Center for Sustainable Health Spending and the lead author of The Business Case for Racial Equity. We are talking about that business case for fairness and diversity and inclusion. Is that the reason that businesses uh, end up embracing those things, is that these things are not just morally right, but also good business? Uh, And if that's true, what does that do to the moral case that gets made or needs to be made for fairness and equality? This last presidential campaign, I think, has reminded us of the need to keep pressing on the moral side of that equation, as there are lots of people out there who still harbor lots of feelings about inequality, uh, affinity for inequality. Um, Now, with Donald Trump as president, uh, some of those folks feel emboldened to to talk more, I think, aggressively and openly about the biases they have. Uh, But what's the relationship between the case to make in that context and the case to be made uh, in office uh, workplaces around the country. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to WDT Facebook page, put your comments there, or Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Chuck in Franklin. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Um, Good. Uh, there was a talk a little while ago about um, Elliot Larson changes and expansions. And um, when you're talking about um, changing Elliot Larson or expanding the, the classifications of people that are covered, you're really talking about expanding causes of action and expanding numbers of lawsuits. Sure. And I think that the, the hidden thing there is, especially with big businesses funding these campaigns, is the competitive advantage to big businesses in all of that over small businesses who can't possibly stand um, these uh, these kinds of um, civil rights lawsuits when they're expanded legislatively. Um, and um, I have great misgivings about that. I know that big businesses are, of course, exquisitely sensitive to um, um, campaigns and boycotts and national things like we saw with North Carolina and uh, them working on uh, the uh, sensitivities of the NCAA. Um, uh, and, and it really, you know, because that is so, so tightly wound up with media exposure, you know, big businesses really are sensitive to that. But there's a competitive advantage, I think, 
anytime you um, work on the Elliot Larson Act um, that that favors big business over small business. So, so, so basically, what you're saying, Chuck, is that it's too expensive for small businesses to sort of weather uh, the, the the legal entanglements that would result from from these kinds of expansive expansions of civil rights law. Yep. There's been a couple of times in this conversation where people have ta- talked about racial equity um, and then other things. I mean, Elliot Larson already covers uh, racial equity, and we've got a whole a- array sure. of federal uh, laws that cover um, racial discrimination. Right. So, so, Chuck, I, yeah. I, I think ahead, there's absolutely Jim. zero evidence to support what you're saying. And so by taking your lo- your argument to the next logical conclusion, would you take – racial equality out of Elliot Larson so there are less lawsuits about racism in 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 business relations I mean it's it's a you still have to prove your case if you sue under Elliot Larson no matter what the protection is so I, I don't I'm not buying your argument so I mean I think but I do think that there are a lot of uh, folks who worry about uh, who worry about the idea that that businesses won't be able to operate uh, in in these environments where there are expanded causes of action? I'm not one of them, but but I do hear that from a lot of people. I worry about a meteor hitting the earth too. But I mean, there are a lot of states that have these types of protections, and they don't have those kinds of problems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chuck, as always, thanks for listening and uh, and thanks for your call. Let's go to Amanda in Beverly Hills. Amanda, welcome to the Hi. today. Yeah, Thanks go ahead. for taking my call. Absolutely. You know, just a couple of points. I mean, uh, number one, you know, uh, same-sex marriage and, and couples who can now finally be married, they can be married on Friday and then show up to work on Monday and be fired. Uh, so we can't forget that that's a very realistic thing, and it, it does occur in Michigan. Um, and the second point is, is that Elliot Larson does cover marital status. And although I don't believe there's been any litigation yet in Michigan on this issue, it's certainly possible that, you know, a same uh, a participant in a same-sex marriage who experiences an adverse employment action, um, who was, you know, recently wed and disclosed that to their employer, that there could potentially be litigation under the marital status protection of Elliot Larson. But this is something that's got to be cleaned up by the legislature. It's a problem for businesses, and it's a problem for employees. Yeah. Uh, interesting point, Amanda. Right, you might close a legal point. loophole by... Uh by, by being inclusive in Elliot Larson, yeah. um, as she just pointed out. Right. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little before we have to end here about what that next frontier is for uh, anti-discrimination law here, not just here in Michigan, but, uh, but nationally. I think a lot of people, after the Supreme Court ruling uh, last year, sort of falsely said, well, we're done with that now. <laughs> in fact, uh, one of the points that Amanda's making is is pretty relevant here, which is that there there is still not sufficient protection outside the context of marriage for the LGBT community. And that's correct. And um, in Michigan, probably not in the foreseeable future. I mean, we're going to keep working it and, and um, you know do all the things that we need to do, including raising money and making outreach to, to lawmakers. Um, but, you know, we've been given a very clear signal that this particular legislature is not inclined to, to do anything like that. So we need to take this next couple of years and regroup and make uh, make equality a stronger organization, make us make us relevant. And and uh, when we do have our opportunity, we're ready to go. What about leveraging uh, what you were talking about earlier, which is the fact that most businesses 
are already in that space and, and have been I, for and a I long think we're time. making a lot of headway with that argument. We just haven't made enough yet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it that business is not willing or not able to put pressure on these legislators? Well, uh, I mean, we to, had to a really strong uh, business organization back in 2014 when we tried this last time. Mm -hmm. And when um, it came to, to start running a bill, there was a lot of talk about compromise. And the uh, the left wing didn't want to compromise. Right. And the businesses, um, you know, don't like their names out there with uncertainty and and with uh, with a name calling and um, and so they're less likely to jump right. on board unless you know we have a civil discussion about it. Right. So we've got a little bit of repairing to right. do. Uh, Ani, uh, talk about the the ability to leverage this sort of uh, business, I you know, mm -hmm. idea about inclusiveness and diversity mm -hmm. to pressure the political environment, the political infrastructure, which seems to be lagging a bit behind. Yeah, absolutely. I think that individual businesses and, and organizations, the business community in general, does have leverage um, and can be supportive of uh, um, issues like um, early childhood education or looking closely at our incarceration rates and things that will... Um, affect um, opportunities and outcomes for different racial and ethnic groups within the population and um, improve racial equity, but will also serve to um, bolster the, the workforce and the customer base and all the things that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jim Murray of AT&T Michigan, also of Equality Michigan, and Ani Turner, co-director of the Altarum Institute Center for Sustainable Health Spending and author of The Business Case for Racial Equity. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, before I go, I want to say something about the WDET Spring Fundraiser. As always, we are trying to get you to support the news and analysis and commentary that you hear, uh, that you take part in every day on WDET, but we're doing it in a different way. We're not interrupting programming. And when we hit the magic number of $275,000, we will stop raising money. We'll stop interrupting programming at all and get back to the conversations that you value here on WDET. So go to WDET.org and renew your membership or sign up for the first time. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Associate producers are Aaron Allen, Addie Wallace, and Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. See you tomorrow.